Welcome back, Eric Hansen, broadcasting live from Frisco, Texas at Wild Pitch Sports Bar and Grill. Hope to see you on down here if you are heading down here. If you're listening on the uh, 740 The Fan app, this is the place to be. We'll be here broadcasting live on both our sister station, KFGO, today and tomorrow. And uh, certainly love to have you uh, come on by and join Joel Heitkamp, Madison Quinn, and myself if you're able to do that. Brad Anderson is back in the studio. Yep. It's always a pleasure to have with us from Midco Sports, you know, a long time calling Bison games and also a long time you know, covering UND athletics too, including this year. So he's seen a lot of FCS football, including the uh, Missouri Valley Football Conference will be featured coming up on Sunday. Brian Sean. Hello, Brian. How are you? Hey, it's good to talk to you, Derek. How are things down south, man? I'm doing well, and of course we got uh, Brad holding down the fort. Thankfully, I mean we had to have someone do it, and you know. But uh, I, I feel bad for Brad now. I mean, I'm not looking at snow, so that's a good sign. I mean, but uh, uh, he, he's very busy, and we're trying to get through it all. But it's a, uh, it's an interesting feeling down here, Brian, because SDSU is the favorite, and I think NDSU likes that role. But it's uh, kind of the calm before the storm here. Yeah, it is, and it. It's actually a little surprising it's maybe taken this long for this game to happen uh, just because the trajectory the two teams have been on, you know, often they've had to play each other a lot more earlier in the playoffs or South Dakota State, who knows, maybe had they not had to play the Bison in, in the you know second round or quarterfinals or whatever, may have been able to make it there a couple of other times. But I think it's fitting they're both there. They're the two best teams. I think they've shown that all season long. And uh, Whoever the favorite is, whoever isn't, I mean, I, I think you could probably make arguments both ways. I would say South Dakota State probably has uh, a more full complement of players, uh, certainly on the injury front, and have proven uh, that they can pretty much handle anybody in the trenches, and that's going to be the key and certainly what the game's going to come down to, I think, on Sunday afternoon. I think that's the one thing, too. Yeah, uh, health, uh, health is a big factor. Yes, I would say so. And, and we that was kind of the thought from maybe the Bison camp is that they could get – healthier uh, before this game, but maybe the, at least looking at the depth chart, and who knows if we'll see Tamaric Williams and how much we'll see Kobe Johnson, but maybe they're not going to be as healthy as we thought. Yeah, and I think that's, and who knows? I mean, this is all part of this whole process too, right? There's been gamesmanship from Stig in this game before where he's flat said, oh, this guy's not going to be available, and, and then he, all of a sudden he starts and plays the entire game, and who knows if Matt Entz is doing some of the same stuff, playing some cat and mouse too with with NDSU on that side, trying to get keep them guessing on personnel and who's going to be out there and who isn't. Uh, I would expect nothing less, but I will say this. I think whoever um, whoever can possibly go and even give you some reps, uh, you throw them in uniform and, and see if they can give you something because you, you need everybody, and you need a little bit uh, uh, of help when it comes to your game breakers. And, uh, you know, for North Dakota State, obviously they're down some of their game breakers, but they whoever they have, they got to throw out there because they're going to have to find a way to make some plays in this game and some explosive plays. I just don't think they're going to be able to run the ball between the tackles 50 times and expect that to be successful. I think they're going to have to get creative in some different ways to get their guys the ball in space and find ways to exploit some things with this SDSU defense. Ryan, let me ask you a little bit about the first matchup. And I mean, do you, can you read much into that? I mean, NDSU, they're having their way with it. The crowd is a big factor. I mean, there's so many false starts for the Jackrabbits. And then, you know, it was 16 to 3, and then the Jackrabbits found their way, made some adjustments at halftime, and it was a totally different ball game. And, you know, they kind of ran o- and, and made up for that and ran over them in the second half. I, I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts, uh, you know, a fast start again by NDSU and not squander it? Or, I mean, how do you, how do you read into that? 
Well, the interesting part of the first matchup was North Dakota State came out and threw the ball a ton in the first half and had a lot of success and got the ball to different people in space. And Cam Miller, who I thought was really sharp and was in rhythm right away. And if you're NDSU, after the way I think Cam has been a little bit inconsistent in the postseason, I think getting him in a rhythm early is going to be really important. I, I, you're going to have to be able to throw the ball in this game. You just have to. So for you know for him, it's an opportunity to come out and do that again. And if you can get him a couple of quick, easy throws and just get him in the flow of the game, I think that'll uh, you know be significant for NDSU on on the offensive side and trying to jump out something quick. And I don't know if you try to do something crazy or different uh, right out of the shoot, or if you try to establish something and just kind of see how. Uh, the defense is lining up and, and take advantage of what you can. But the one thing South Dakota State really struggled with, I thought, in the first game, in the first half in particular, was pass protection. You know, they finally made the decision in the second half, we're just going to run the ball. And, and that's that's what they did. I mean, they were able to do that. Amar Johnson and Isaiah, um, uh, oh, what, 22. How do I not know what his name is? Amar Johnson? Uh, no, but the other guy, the big the big dude, 22. Uh I might not know who that is. I just called his game for crying out loud. But it, the two backs for South Dakota State. Isaiah Davis? Uh, those guys. Yes, Davis. That's what I was going with. I was going to say Smith, but he's the running back for UND. <laughs> but, you know, Davis and Johnson and the way Gronowski's been running the football effectively, and, and they can put the ball in the hands of other guys, too, on jet sweeps with the Yankees and get the ball to craft and unique. You know, they're going to be able to, to exploit some things. But they, to me, they got to come out and try to establish the run immediately and try to get uh, more into some of those second and third you know, manageable situations, so they're not putting Gronowski in tough spots because I really feel like North Dakota State's defensive line has improved significantly from where it was in the beginning of the season. And uh, so it, it's going to be good on good. It's just a matter of, you know, what teams can stay out of third and long and which teams can stay ahead of the chains and stay out of bad uh, penalty situations and put themselves in bad spots. And then obviously turnovers is always a factor, too. Well, I mean, that, that that game turned on its heel on the turnover when uh, they tried to get cute and Cole Payton threw that interception. And then, yeah, I was looking at the drive chart in the second half. It was, you know, they, they pretty much punted the entire second half and then went out on downs. As a quarterback, of the kind of looking at the two quarterbacks, Brian, you know, a lot's been made about Cam Miller. He's just, you know, that's the box he hasn't been able to check is beating South Dakota State. But Mark Gronowski probably, uh, this means, you know, this is probably just as important for him. His, uh, his stint last time in Frisco was short. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's a, a huge opportunity. I'm sure that Gronowski, based on what he had to deal with last year, uh, you know, sending out the entire season and come back from a pretty serious knee injury, it's a huge opportunity for him. And he's had success against North Dakota State, and he's confident. And he believes uh, and what he can do, and, and certainly I think you see that. He projects that on the field. I think the team really rallies around him. And I think the biggest thing for him uh, in the second half of the year, to me, he's just he's running a lot better. And when you throw the quarterback run game in there on top of everything else SDSU does with some of the window dressing that they can, they can throw out with some of the motions and uh, you know, all the people you have to account for defensively, you got to stay really disciplined with your eyes if you're North Dakota State because – Gronowski, as he has shown in the past, can hurt you with his legs. So to me, it'll be interesting to see how each of these quarterbacks handles that situation and how much they're asked to do in the running game. Because I really think that both teams are going to try to establish some sort of quarterback run with that plus one run game. So we'll we'll see how that plays out too over the course of a 60-minute contest. It kind of leads me to my next uh, question. They had a tough time, the Jacks did, with, uh, with Matthew Sluka. He ran for, what, 212 yards it was from Holy Cross in the quarterfinals. They did a much better job on Tommy Malott. 
in the uh, semifinals. They really limited him. Absolutely, and I'm sure you know. Again, that's something you have to be you have to be able to account for defensively. That plus one run game. You know, everybody loves to get that extra blocker out there. And both team, I think both quarterbacks are very capable of running and making plays. You know, I watched Cam Miller against North Dakota in the last regular season game. I mean, they had no answer for him, and they blocked it up really well. And he, I thought he showed a lot of grit and toughness in the quarterback run game. And I think both of these quarterbacks are capable of that. It's just a matter of how much you want to put those guys in those situations. I still think, you know, when you get in a red zone and third and short, that's where you're more often, I think, more likely to see some of the quarterback run game. So we'll see how... You know, we'll see how much each team wants to sprinkle that in or if they want to do something, uh, run some plays off of, you know, some sort of quarterback run look. I think there's a lot of ways you can get creative. And sometimes uh, you can almost try to do too much, you know, when you have a three-week break of putting stuff in. So we'll see how simplified the game plan is or teams try to come out and do something really exotic to try to confuse the other defense. When I'm you know, we're with Brian Sean from Midco again, uh, he's covered a lot of FCS football the years uh, first with NDSU and now with uh, UND and uh, kind of looking at I, we probably have been talking so much about the quarterbacks and what have you, but uh, defense really is the key here, right? I mean, you got to be able to stop them, and I think both teams are going to really want to win that you know time of possession battle, and I think that's going to be the key is if you can get these teams to punt or even force turnovers. To me, that's probably the unheralded thing that we're not talking about enough for Sunday's game. Oh, I totally agree, especially third down. If you have an opportunity to get the opposing offense off the field, you got to take advantage of that opportunity. You know, as defensively, uh, you have to make decisions, too, about what, how, how, how aggressive do you want to be. Do you really feel like you can get home with four? Do you feel like you need to blitz five or rush six? So what, what are you going to do in that regard? Do you feel confident in some of your guys that play man coverage with, you know, the, the possibility that you could give up a big play down the field if you don't get home on blitzes? So. You know, there's a lot of questions I think for both defensive coordinators have to have on that because, you know, you can get teams behind the chains and you can make some negative plays, but if you don't get there, you know, you're susceptible to giving up some of the big, long, explosive plays. And that, you know, obviously that can turn the tide and turn the momentum pretty quickly. So both teams' defense is really good, both very stout on the defensive front. I think South Dakota State a little deeper right now based on some of the injuries, some of that situation. But I think the one thing everybody takes for granted a little bit are how well those defenses run. I mean, they play with swagger. They get up and hit you. It's amazing how well their their linebackers and safeties can get downhill in a hurry, not afraid to get in the run game, not afraid to get physical. So uh, they're, they're, they're confident clubs, man. They believe in what they do. They believe that they're better than the guy lining up across from them, and that's that's kind of the fun part of this. I think both of these teams believe they're the best team. It's just a matter of who can show it throughout 60 minutes on Sunday. You know, Tucker Kraft didn't play the first time uh, against uh, the Bison. Uh, what role do you think he plays in all this? Well, I think that changes things. I mean, you have to account for him. You know, and, and when they run those two tight end sets, I mean, Hines is really good, too. He gets overshadowed sometimes because of how good Kraft is. But I tell you what, man, 87, 85, Hines and Kraft, those two guys are a low to handle. They both can get out and run. They both can catch the football. They're really good in a run blocking game too. And they move them around all over the place. And that's, that's an area. If you're North Dakota state <laughs> between the Yankees and the two running backs and the tight ends and Gronowski, there's a lot you have to keep track of. So it's going to be really important that everybody understands their assignment based on scheme, 
based on personnel groupings, where everybody lines up, all the motions. Uh, there's a lot, and, and Kraft can certainly have a big impact because whether or not he's getting the ball, he does, he commands attention. He has to because he's so good uh, getting out and running and, and really good with his hands. He's a big body, can shield off defenders, tough to tackle, and Hines the same way. So they, they got a lot of dudes that can hurt you, and he's certainly one of them. When you look at, uh, and it's a very good point, the other thing that kind of goes along with that too is you know, we mentioned any quarterback that can scramble, and that was a big concern going into the Montana State game, obviously, before, you know, touchdown time, he got hurt and what have you, but that is a thing that you have to be concerned with. The dual-threat quarterback has always been kind of an issue, especially those teams like to play this type of defense that the uh, Bison play. Yeah, absolutely, and I think the, the most important thing about that, Derek, is that's the critical part of making sure you tackle well in a game like this because oftentimes – you know, the guy that has a quarterback is a safety or a linebacker, and you have to be the one to make the play because no one else is, everybody else is accounted for. So when you come in, you got to take that guy down. If, if you miss a tackle and the other guy scraping off misses a tackle, that's where the, a lot of those quarterback runs go from four yards, you know, to 40 yards. You have to make sure that you wrap up. And we've seen over the year, I mean, years, I mean, you guys have seen it. I've certainly seen it that that surface they're playing on. It's not always friendly to defenders, you know, cutting and all that stuff. It's a slick surface. It's a very short grass. Uh, so you got to make sure you have your feet under you and you don't try to overrun things because a lot of times you have trouble stopping. We've seen a lot of guys slip over the years. So that's the other part of that is, is making sure that you're getting to a point where you're, you're not running yourself out of plays because we, we have seen that in the past in this game. Brian, I've talked, I know we had Jeff Kolpak on here before Christmas, and I always I made the point that I thought – if the Jacks don't do it this time, not that they, I don't, I don't know if they'll ever do it, but it just seems like the way it got, the way it was set up, they got the number one seed, they had home field throughout, they got to play in the cold in Brookings. It just seems like it's just set up for them this time. And if they don't do it this time, when are they going to? I completely agree, I, and I do think that this South Dakota State team is is different than past teams. To me, they have not been like some of the past teams that you almost see when they get to the quarterfinals and semifinals that. Physically, they look worn out. Mentally, they look a little worn out. They make a lot of mental mistakes. They miss tackles. They just don't look as sharp. We've seen that in the playoffs. But I think this year, when they got through that really rugged schedule, didn't have a bye until the last week of the regular season, then got another bye, you know, essentially three weeks between the regular season and playoffs. Um, they did, They maybe showed a little bit of rust in the early rounds, but as they've gotten back into things, they, they just look like the same old Jacks. They look really strong. They look like they're getting stronger as the season goes along. And that's always the challenge when you're playing 15 games. It's, it's a grind, but they, to me, they look like a team that is playing some of their best football at the right time of the year. And, and I think there's a mentality there too, between some of the leaders on offense and defense that, you know, this is a different group and, you know, we have what it takes to win it this year. We have the horses, and I think they really believe that on the offensive and defensive lines and playmakers. They're cocky and confident, and that's the way you got to be when you take on NDSU. you got to believe that you're going to beat them, and I think they really believe that. I think they believe this is their year to do it, too. The other thing I want to watch for, of course, you know, we mentioned turnovers, too, and any special teams play that can come up, I mean, you, you really, that can affect everything, too. You know, we saw that with the Vikings game, a kickoff return kind of changed everything and along with the conditions that you mentioned i do have to mention that the vikings packers game holy cow the vikings are slipping and sliding you don't want to see that this sunday but 
those are the little things that we don't talk about. Special teams, how people fall and all that. I mean, the X factor in a football game like this is, is something you can't uh, discount at all. Absolutely. I mean, you, know, you guys have seen this too. When you have these two teams that are so evenly matched and know each other so well, every mistake is just so huge. It's so maximized because there are times you can make a mistake, right, against you know a team that you know probably physically – talent-wise, they, they can't match up to so you. You can kind of get away with it. But against these teams, a mistake like that could cost you the game. Like it's, to me, it's that close. And you talk about special teams. I think both of these teams have had probably more, a lot more positives than negatives in the return game. Uh, we've seen positives from that from Jaden Price from North Dakota State. I think the Yankees are very capable returners. Uh, both field goal kickers, to me, have been gotten more and more confident as the season goes on. I think the punters have been very, very solid in the coverage units. So, you know, those are areas, I think, too, where you really have to trust some of the young guys that you put out there. Or do you put some of your regulars that, that are already playing a lot of reps on offense and defense just because you want to make sure nothing explodes in those situations? So, you know, that, that's a third phase of the game that you certainly can't disregard. And any sort of mistake in that area, again, you talk about momentum shifts, how quickly that can change. I mean, the, the Vikings-Packers, prime example, you have a punt block, and all of a sudden you think things are – going your way and then all of a sudden you get the ball at the one yard line you don't get a touchdown and a kickoff return for td man just think about the momentum swings and how much that changed the trajectory of the game and certainly anything early where a team can make some sort of momentum changing play on special teams a made field goal missed field goal you know botched punt long return all that stuff factors into the game obviously so i'm sure teams spent a lot of extra time on that too just to make sure they're ready to go that is for sure. Well, Brian, we do appreciate your time as always, and uh, looking forward to. Uh, what's your take on the uh, my final thing for you? And Brad can add anything if he wants. But uh, Saturday to Sunday, I like the Saturday morning at 11 a.m. thing to get it going, and then you have the rest of the weekend. It's I understand why ABC's doing it because they want to get these long pregame shows for the two NFL games they're featuring coming up on Saturday. But man, I, I think for the fans, it's unfortunate. I would agree, and again, I don't think it's going to hurt the it's not going to hurt the attendance this year just because it's the it's the Jackson Bison, and I think a lot of people want to see this game on this stage. But I agree; I'll be curious to find out, you know, how that how that impacts things. Or is this something that they're going to try and see how it goes and see what kind of ratings they get, and then you know make a determination in the future? But yeah, as a fan, you know, especially if you're driving, you know, at least on Saturday, you know, I know a lot of fans that would drive down, and then after the game was over. At two two thirty three o'clock, they'd celebrate the championship or whatever. Then they'd hop in the car. By five o'clock, they're heading back north, you know, and trying to get back by Sunday night so everybody can get back to work Monday. So yeah, that's that's tricky. And uh, but I also get it. I mean, you you're kind of you know when when uh, the TV rights are owned by a certain media group and they can dictate the kick times and everything that both benefits what they believe is and they're going to make a decision. And I think this is kind of their little guinea pig test to see. How it works, going head-to-head against the NFL on a Sunday. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Going to be interesting, that is for sure. I'm not liking the FCS chances as they're going against the NFL. (laughs) (laughs) But that's just me, I guess. I agree. 100%. 100%, Brad. All right. Well, Brian, thanks so much for your time. We'll talk to you again uh, very soon as we get to more in the heart of, uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you as we get in the heart of the uh, a basketball season too. Appreciate it. We'll uh, talk to you again very soon. 
Yeah, great to connect with you guys. Derek, enjoy the warm weather down there. I'm glad that it's going to be good conditions for everybody heading because it's already been kind of a long winter. So enjoy it while it lasts. Enjoy the sunshine. All right.